The Founding Fathers, American Revolution, Our Constitution, Our History, America. Thanks so much for tuning in as we discuss the people, places, events, and battles that turned 13 separate colonies into the greatest nation on earth, the United States. Welcome everybody and thanks for tuning in. I'm Ron Kern, your host. And we're excited to have you for another episode of the Patriot Power podcast. I think you're going to hear some things that you might not have known. And I just wanted to start off with uh, apologizing for the time between episodes being longer than I would like. As many of you know, and for those of you who don't, uh, we live on a 42-acre farm and ranch. And right now it's our busiest time of year with planting three and a half acres or so of organic produce. We have over 400 animals. And last month, my father uh, passed away. So I'm not trying to create excuses, but I will do my best to post more often. Um, there's so many wonderful things um, to cover. and But I did want you to know um, at least a couple of the reasons for the delay in this episode from the time of the last one. Okay, now all of that is out of the way, so let's get started. Last episode, we discussed what the Stamp Act was and how Prime Minister Grenville was the one that created it. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about how the actual colonists reacted to it and, more importantly, responded to it. Uh, King George III never really liked Grenville and basically put him in that position out of necessity rather than merit. And not only did the king not like him, he didn't trust him. So the king would generally confide and took counsel from his prime minister. But that rarely happened with these two. So in July of 1765, King George III removed Grenville from his position as prime minister and put him back into the House of Commons. Talking about falling from a high position to low. Um, so how did the colonists respond to the Stamp Act? In looking back at history, I often wish that we the people had enough strength and courage to respond similar ways on how they responded to the Stamp Act. Now, I don't agree with the violence unless necessary, but the colonists were pushed to a point and, and they had had enough. The Stamp Act was not that much money, about a penny on each item, but they responded with vigor and resolve. Now, today, the government takes 50% or more of everything you make. We just seem to roll over and assume there's nothing we can do about it. Perhaps people might need to learn their history and how to combat governments that have overreach, which is part of the reason uh, of the creation of this podcast, in addition to discussing the amazing era of the American Revolution. In order to collect taxes on the Stamp Act, England chose and installed stamp distributors, or stamp collectors as they were commonly called, and this would have been a real difficult position to have. Imagine living in a colony, in a city or town, and then the king told you that you're going to be the stamp collector 
and you're going to start collecting all the taxes from it, knowing that the entire city despises you. Now these collectors did have the support of the king, but let's not forget he was thousands and thousands of miles away, and I picture it basically being thrown into a pack of wolves. So these stamps were not very large, but they were printed and boxed and shipped to America so that the stamp collectors could start working. Uh, during that time, there were protests and riots that were already taking place up and down the colonies, and this included the seaports. So many of these ships that uh, were coming in with these stamps weren't allowed to dock. They were turned away. And um, so many businesses like newspapers and lawyers, they, they continued to do business as usual, um, and that is printing and creating documents without a stamp, which was unlawful the Stamp Act, but nobody had a stamp and they didn't care. And lawyers and newspapers, uh, those two professions, used the majority of paper, but if you think about it, news newspapers and attorneys are the ones that can reach the masses and have a lot of pull in their community, and so the Stamp Act, the Stamp Act was ticking people off that could actually do something about it. So these guys continue to print newspapers and practice law without a stamp. These stamp collectors were harassed, threatened, and life was made difficult for them any chance that they could. Uh, the first example of actual violence toward a tax collector involved a guy by the name of Andrew Oliver. Now Andrew was a 59 year old merchant who was very rich uh, he was assigned a, to be the tax collector in Boston. Most of these tax collectors were already uh, supportive and loyal to the king, um, so it made sense to the king to put these folks in, in charge. Uh, they would be considered Tories later on during the war. So Andrew was in bed and he heard some commotion and he woke up to look out the window as his effigy was hanging from a century-old elm tree. The mob then broke the windows in his home. They overturned and demolished his carriage. And last but not least, they drank all of the contents of his cellar. If that wasn't enough, they then beheaded the effigy. So they destroyed everything that they could and then drank all of the alcohol from his wine cellar. Now, two weeks after this, event, um, another mob showed up to another tax collector, which is likely the most known and widely discussed event that involved Lieutenant Governor Thomas Hutchinson, also in Massachusetts. On a side note, Hutchinson was the brother-in-law of Andrew Oliver. So as the mob approached Hutchinson's house, his daughter begged him and finally persuaded him to leave the house because she feared for his life even though he had intended to stay and fight. That would have not turned out well. So when the crowd reached the house, they broke the doors down and looted everything. Every stick of furniture was destroyed. Pictures were torn from the walls. Windows were broken. Walls were torn down. And everything of worth was burned, including Hutchinson's priceless book collection and a trove of historical papers about the early history and founding of the Massachusetts Bay Colony. That is very unfortunate because those papers um, being destroyed 
we lost a lot of detail and history about that, and that, that is not a good deal. Um, also, Thomas Hutchinson's uh, house was more of a mansion. It was huge, and so they just destroyed all of it. Hutchinson had been in politics for over 30 years, and although publicly he supported the Stamp Act, in private he was actually opposed to it. But he felt that it was his duty to collect tax and follow the direction and law of England and the king. Before you feel too sorry for him, he was a loyalist. And actually he was a staunch loyalist. He did contribute many good things and bad things to the creation of this country and probably is why this one uh, act of uh, his mansion being destroyed is, is one of the most widely known and discussed. In this last example of violence uh, regarding the Stamp Act, a mob told a stamp collector to immediately resign. The collector said, I can't. I can't resign until I get the stamps and they're coming from England. The mob insisted that he resign and said being in possession, being in possession of the stamps or not had no bearing on whether he resigned or not. The stamp collector repeated his claim that he would in fact resign and not collect any taxes, but he had to have the stamps in possession first. I don't know what his deal was, but um, he, was, he was firm in that. So the mob tied him up and then placed him in a wood coffin. They put the lid on it and hammered it shut. They then lowered him into a deep hole and it wasn't until the sound of dirt being shoveled on top of the coffin did he finally resign. Now, if I were him, I'm pretty confident seeing the coffin would have been enough. I mean, like, really, what mob comes with a coffin? Um, it's clear that these mobs, or I like to call them patriots with a purpose, they meant business. Now, the other riots, protests, and boycotts, um, they paid off as almost every single stamp collector resigned, and those who were chosen to replace them by the king flat out refused the position because they were seeing what was going on and none of it was good. So they just refused. So with nobody in position to collect the tax, it was impossible for them to enforce it. So when I'm talking about mobs and, and the examples that I just described, you might be picturing um, current day gangs just walking down the, the road uh, or the street, um, lighting things on fire and demolishing and destruction of property and just kind of randomly being mean. But these mobs, m many members actually were the Sons of Liberty, which will be a bonus episode because the Sons of Liberty are so amazing. Um, they were not rabble-rousers, and they weren't randomly causing chaos or doing these acts. But that's how the British Crown described them to be. These violent acts were, in fact, very selective. They were orchestrated and well thought out. And generally speaking, it, it was a last resort for them. Um, if, they did, if they could get their way without violence, then they wouldn't use violence. But if push came to shove and a large statement was needed, then they had no problem um, following through. Uh, the victims chosen by the mobs weren't just due to them trying to enforce the Stamp Act. I think that these collectors represented a dangerous moral order. 
And although the protests and um, refusing to take or the non-importation of British goods worked, and it was very effective, uh, but these mobs were not shy in making their point obviously known. Can you imagine, like, hello, I'm here to destroy your house and I have a coffin? <laughs> I mean, that, I wonder what, what would happen if you did that in today's world. But in my opinion, the Stamp Act brought many other things to the surface, not just the famous being taxed without representation. The colonists had been under the thumb of England, virtually left alone for decades, and now they're coming back and implementing new taxes, new laws, new acts. And I think people felt that England's thumb was pressing down on them. Um, every turn that you get, they have a new tax, they have this, they have that, and it was never anything that really benefited the, uh, the colonists. Due to the firm response to the Stamp Act, I believe it gave others the opportunity to really speak their mind. And one thing that uh, I think was definitely involved was religion. It was one thing that surfaced because of the Stamp Act. Protestants in this in this country, or the colonies at the time, they really felt liberties and religious freedoms were, were being compromised by the Church of England. Now, the Church of England was all Catholic, and yet England continued to send agents, all Catholic, to the colonies to ensure the Church of England was a primary religion. So you have religion, religious freedoms, other freedoms, and England's policies, laws, and taxes. All of this came to a head during the Stamp Act. Um, I feel it, it gave the average person a voice, or at least the opportunity, to speak up, and many of them did. So, needless to say, the Stamp Act was eventually repealed almost exactly one year after it had started. The first newspaper to publish the repeal was the Virginia Gazette. And then a few weeks later, most larger newspapers always printed the information and the repeal of the Stamp Act. So how did they respond? Well, cities and towns had celebrations galore as the news slowly spread to everyone in the colonies from north to south. In New York, the Sons of Liberty gave toasts. They shot off fireworks, including their muskets, and a vast majority, if not all, were highly intoxicated. In Boston, they played music. They made a very large pyramid made of lamps, 280 of them, and it was a real positive celebration. Also in Boston, the town's wealthiest provided money and paid for everybody that was in debtor's prison to be freed. So back in the day, if you owed a debt and you couldn't pay it, um, you went to debtor's prison. I think it shows the, the unification of people. You know, here, here they are celebrating. You would think one of the last things on their mind are people in debtor's prison. But yet the wealthy came together, paid off all their debts, and freed everybody in Boston that was in debtor's prison. I tried to find the exact number of, of people that was, but I would assume it was pretty significant. And it was probably a pretty good chunk of change. And so I just thought that was a, a cool nugget that showed how people were really coming together. Um, and helping each other out. Uh, John Hancock put a lavish dinner. He he. It was like 
exceptionally crazy, um, and that was for his closest friends. And then he paid for all the Madeira for everybody. Uh, Madeira is is like wine; it's actually a cooked wine. Um, they spoil the wine on purpose. It's made in Portugal, and uh, I have a couple bottles sitting on my library shelf here as I sit in my office, and uh, it tastes okay. Um, I wouldn't say it's the best thing I've ever tasted, but it was wildly popular um, back in the day. Uh, that and cider, like hard cider, and uh, beer. But it's not like people were drunk all the time. I mean, some of them probably were. But uh, they didn't go to their faucet and turn on water, right? And clean water was pretty impossible to get. So they had to get their fluids some other way. So that's how they did it. Anyway, uh, Charleston also had a similar celebration. Um, it was pretty laid back, and they showed actual restraint. Now, Philadelphia... I envision them have like being the biggest and, and craziest of them all. Um, but they gave a fancy dinner, and that was it. Um, they really felt that they shouldn't really show too much of one side or the other. They were just happy that it was repealed, and they did a fancy dinner, and that was it. So afterwards, 12 of the 13 uh, colonies, their representatives, sent a letter of gratitude to the king, thanking him for repealing the Stamp Act. So the one colony that did not send a letter of gratitude was, any guesses? Virginia. That's right. Virginia did not send anything to the king. And uh, I think that they were just going, going to remain steadfast and continue their position of not giving in after they got what they all fought so hard for. It's like, I don't need to thank you. This never should have happened in the first place. When news of the Stamp Act's repeal reached Boston in May, the Sons of Liberty returned to the same elm tree from which they had dangled Oliver's likeness. This time, they hung celebratory lanterns, not effigies from its mighty boughs. Now keep in mind, this was a hundred-year-old elm tree. It was huge. And then every year after, on August 14th, the Sons of Liberty gathered under the shade of the elm tree, which they christened the Liberty Tree to commemorate the 1765 protest. If you're wondering what happened to the tree, it did continue to serve as a very important place to demonstrate opposition to British actions until August 1775, but then the tree was cut down by British troops. Thanks a lot for that. Now, where it actually stood at Washington and Essex Streets in Boston, they have a bronze plaque that's lying at ground level and a pretty underwhelming brick plaza. I wished it was still standing. How cool would that be? The Sons of Liberty also never forgot Andrew Oliver, whose reputation did not improve over time, even though he became the lieutenant governor um, in 1770. When Oliver passed away four years later, a Sons of Liberty delegation was at his graveside to give three cheers as his coffin was lowered into the ground. Personally, I think that was a little harsh, but then again, so is being oppressed and forced to pay taxes without any say in the matter. 
countless taxes without any say. Does that sound familiar to any of you? It certainly does to me. But as you, as you know, the repeal of the Stamp Act wasn't just that. It came with a catch. Well, it actually came with a new act. And I envision it like England getting the last word in. And this new act was called the Declaratory Act. And this act, in short, basically said, we can still tax you, we still have rule over you, and we are the daddy and you are our child and we're the boss. Uh, the actual uh, quote, some of it is, ought to have full power and authority to make laws and statutes of sufficient force and validity to bind the colonies and people of America in all cases whatsoever. Those four words raised a lot of fear and suspicion, like in, in the colonists, in all cases whatsoever. Basically, England could still tax and make laws in the colonies the same as they could in England. And this new act came alongside the same time as the repeal. I mean, they're totally opposite. It was like, we're going to get rid of the Stamp Act, but just let you know we're the boss. And, and that's it. So instead of it putting colony, colonies and the colonists in place, it actually added more fuel to the fire and it created more opposition, distrust, and suspicions against England. And this act, like the Stamp Act and many, many others, it 100% backfired on them. And they clearly didn't understand ever the mindset or climate of the colonists. We at that time, not opposed to having England's protection, but they just continued to tax and tax and tax. And it's very similar to what's going on today. Um, and how people are surviving today, um, credit cards mostly. And uh, the credit card debt doubled in the last three months. When, when will we have enough? I don't know. But England never understood the mindset of the American or the colonial people. Well, I think that's a real good place to stop. I uh, just wanted to remind you that our podcast is hosted on the Anchor platform, although you can listen uh, to us anywhere that you get your podcast from. We've, we've looked at um, our traffic to our website uh, versus the actual podcast, and it's less. And so I thought it might be a good idea to start putting all the links for each episode in the actual show notes and description on Anchor instead of putting it on our website like we have been. I think it just makes more sense and that way everything for each show is located in one place. So after you listen to a show, just scroll down to the notes and there'll be links to many things that uh, I talk about in each episode. I do encourage you to visit our website though. There's a uh, blog, and we do other things there that you might find of value. And you can go to patriotpowerpodcast.com, or of course, the one I like is ilovegeorgewashington.com. On our next show, we're going to be discussing even more acts. Yes, England still didn't get a clue uh, that England tried to impose a pretty large scandal and the dreaded Quartering Act, which they imposed this same exact year as the Stamp Act. I hope that you guys had a wonderful Memorial Day weekend. Uh, 
Uh, remember to thank a veteran for his or her service. And until next time, which will be soon, stay safe and God bless. Thanks for listening and hope that you tune in next time with us here at the Patriot Power Podcast. Make sure that you hit subscribe so you'll get notified when our new episodes are available for you. And we hope that you check out our websites, which include our show notes, links, documents, and more at PatriotPowerPodcast.com or ILoveGeorgeWashington.com. Until next time, hope that you and your family have a blessed week. And remember, be safe and tell a veteran thanks for their service.